YouTube or Facebook, and why? I love this question, and here's the deal. It depends, number one, on who your target audience is and what your overall objective is. You guys have heard me say this before. So, here's the thing you need to think about. When people go to YouTube, they're going YouTube for a specific reason. They're going there to compare and to contrast and learn, or they're going there to have entertainment. They're specifically going there to search and look for video content. Hey there, I have a brand new podcast called Fired Up with Krista Mayshore, where I bring my high energy right to your ears. This podcast is available on all your favorite podcast platforms. So do me a favor, go subscribe and leave a review. All this information is free and I cannot wait to teach you everything I know. Thanks so much for watching my video. You can learn more about how to be a successful real estate professional by watching other videos that I have. And be sure to subscribe to my channel. And as always, make it a great home selling and buying day. So you need to ask yourself, for your profession, for what you do, are people going to YouTube to find the answers to their questions? Right? That's a big one. Are they going there? People go to YouTube to look at things like, should they buy a Dell computer or a Mac? Right? Should they buy an Audi or a Toyota? They go there to compare and contrast. They go there to watch funny videos and to laugh and to be excited and to be entertained. That's what they go to YouTube for. People are on Facebook because they want to be entertained about from their family and from their friends. But here's the deal. I personally prefer Facebook all the time over YouTube. Now that doesn't mean I don't advertise on YouTube. I actually absolutely do, but I have found more success on Facebook because people are on Facebook more often and they're going there more times in a day. And what's happening is, is even though you're disrupting their pattern, what that means is, is that they're on Facebook, they're having a good time, they're searching about, they're looking at their friends and family, they're posting about what they're doing, you can make it to where your ads, you start showing up and popping up in their newsfeed. And what will happen is, is that if you can grab their attention, then they might click on your video. You can grab their attention, they can start seeing you regularly, and then you can start building brand awareness and authority in your profession, in your field. So that's the difference. Facebook people are going there to be entertained as well. They're going there to post about their life or find out about the life about their friends and you're kind of disrupting what they're doing. But since they're there so often, if you can grab their attention, get them excited about something, and if you know who your target audience is, what they're going through, what their pains are, what their pleasures are, and you can speak that messaging to that client, then they're more likely to want to listen. So Facebook is great. YouTube is amazing also. It's just that they're, they're going there for a specific thing, which is wonderful, but you have to ask yourself, how often are people actually going to YouTube to specifically search content regarding what it is that I'm talking about. Now, here's another good thing about YouTube, and it's the fact that YouTube is owned by Google. So as you create videos on YouTube, it's going to be on Google as well. So if people search on Google, they can see your videos on Facebook. So both work, both work well. Um, I've just found major success with Facebook because people are there so often and you know, people go to Facebook 17 times a day. They spend over 51 minutes there. I know they're gonna be there, so I'm going where they are and they're seeing me on a daily basis, so I'm creating top of mind awareness. So, it's kind of up to you. I always say pick your poison, learn one of them, learn it well before moving on to the next platform. So Jimmy, I hope that helped. If you've got some questions that you'd like answers to, with questions with Krista, do me a favor and just put the questions below and I'll answer them very shortly. Have a great day everyone and thanks so much for listening. 
We're going to be talking today about time management. How do we get it all done? Welcome to Questions with Krista. Today we have a question from Randy Work, and Randy says, I struggle to create a consistent schedule that allows me to work on my business. I have another job part-time at the moment, and they frequently call on me on my days off so I get off track. Any advice? Well, Randy, let me tell you, have you ever heard of the Pomodoro Technique? The Pomodoro Technique is absolutely amazing, and it's been proven that if you utilize the Pomodoro Technique, that you will save 16 hours a week, 16 hours a week, just by utilizing the Pomodoro Technique. This is a technique that I absolutely make my whole entire company utilize, and here's what you do. You pick one task, just one thing. Let's just say that one thing is answering emails. So all you'll do during that 25 minutes, you'll set a timer for 25 minutes, you'll work on just emails for 25 minutes. You're going to turn off your post notifications, you're going to minimize all the millions of tabs that you have open, you're not going to answer your phone, you're not going to check your text messages, you're just going to work on emails for that 25 minutes. Now here's the deal. If you get distracted and you think about something else, write it down, go right back to what you're doing. Do you know that it's been proven that when you get off task from something, it typically takes anywhere from 22 to 23 minutes for your brain to get back on task. When you continue to go and multitask, people think that it actually, they get more done. It's been also proven that you get less done. And the more that you multitask, the harder it becomes for you to focus on one thing. So start utilizing the Pomodoro technique. Again, 25 minutes, focus on one thing. After that 25 minutes, you take a three to five minute break. You do this four times in a row and that's considered one Pomodoro. After doing one complete Pomodoro with 25 minute increments, taking three to five minutes off after each time to reset yourself, to stretch, to use the bathroom, and then going back to another 25 minute task, doing that four times, then you take a 15 minute break. Now, if you do this over and over again, you are going to see just how much more that you get done. My students have told me that when they utilize the Pomodoro technique, they get a massive amount of, uh, of items done during the day. They're much more productive. They're much more task oriented and they're much more focused. So start utilizing the Pomodoro technique. Also, you've got to learn to say no. It is really hard in order, Rusty, for you to, to do real estate full time, part time and have a part time job. It's going to be difficult for you to ever get any momentum in real estate. So my advice would be is to tell them when you're off, you're off, not to call you, not to distract you, to focus on real estate um, on, or on lending. So that way you can just go straight into it full time because once you can put all of your focus into one thing, you are going to be much more successful, much more productive, and you're going to get there much more quickly. So start utilizing the Pomodoro technique, start learning when to say no, even if that no means saying no to volunteering or doing things that are that really aren't helping serve you in your business right now. Right now, Randy, be a little selfish. Take care of yourself. It's okay. You're trying to build a real estate business. You're trying to, you know, change careers and get out of having to work part-time. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you saying no. There's nothing wrong with you being a little selfish and take care and taking care of you. And absolutely utilize the Pomodoro technique, Rusty. And as always, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Do me a favor, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe because that way we know you like what we're giving you and we'll be sure to give you more. And as always, let us know what your questions are. We want to answer them and make it a great day. And I appreciate your time. Hey there, we're going to talk about lead generation and organization so they actually can convert. This is Krista Maysher and you're here with Questions with Krista.
Today we've got a question from Tanya McLeod, and she says, how can I organize my lead generation so that it's organized for landing pages and lead nurturing? And how can we run ad campaigns for these groups? Great question. So here's the deal, Tanya, that when people are, when you want to get highly qualified leads, you want to make sure that when you're running campaigns, that you're targeting specific types of people. So the first thing you want to find out is if you're running an ad and it's just super, super broad, it's difficult to really narrow down who your client avatar is, who the person on the other end is and what they need. If you can run um, an ad campaign, you can create a landing page that's specifically geared towards sellers, let's say, and then you, when people click on that or they request information, you can do something called a Zapier and you can take that contact and you can put it into your CRM. Now here's the deal. It's really important to have a really great CRM and that when they go into your CRM through that campaign that you're properly tagging people, meaning you're saying if they're a a buyer or a seller or an investor. And if you can even then tag them even further down, what type of buyer are they? Are they a move up buyer? Are they a move down buyer? Are they a first time buyer? Um, are they looking for down payment assistance? Do they have cash? The more that you can absolutely find out as much information about these leads that you have, and properly tag them in your CRM so that when you create more ad campaigns, those ad campaigns are directly related to those people and it's speaking their language. Think about you, right? Like for me, I'm 48 years old, probably going through menopause. So if I see something on you know Instagram or Facebook and it's talking about hot flashes, I'm like, that's me. I want to know about that. So I'm gonna click. Now if I see something that's you know geared towards a 25-year-old boy who wants to build muscles, I don't care about that. So the more that you can make sure that you utilize your CRM and that when you utilize your CRM, you're properly tagging people as a buyer, as a seller, as an investor, as somebody who wants to refinance. Um, and then what type of refinance is it? Is it, you know, are they buying an investment property or are they refinancing their home? Does that make sense? And then when you create more lead generation um, campaigns, more landing pages that directly relate to the person and what they need, they are are much more likely to convert. So organizing your leads when you get them into a CRM, properly tagging them is essential because if they're properly tagged, you can then give them information that speaks to them and they're much, much more likely to convert over time. So I hope Tanya that makes sense. And as always, everyone, please do me a favor and like, comment, and subscribe because we want your feedback. Ask us your questions. We are here to answer them. And as always, make it a great day.